The views expressed in this program are those of the participants. Ah, oh, dang. Ah. <coughs> listen, listen, I, I, I'm sorry about your fish. I didn't know they were yours. I, I didn't see your body. Okay. Okay, so what you're saying is you're pissed. Look, I'm sorry I took your damn fish, okay? But you didn't have to go tying me up and stuff. Look, what if something happened to you, huh? I mean, what if you, you choked on a fish bone or something? I'd be so screwed. I'd be so completely, supremely, eternally screwed that I don't even think there's a word for that level of screwosity, you know? Look, it's, it's just that I haven't eaten in the last few days, okay? And I'm, I'm, I'm just hungry. Right? I'm I'm just hungry. That's all. I said I was sorry. What what are you what, what are you gonna do? Look, I, I said I was sorry, man! I said I was sorry! Next time, try asking. I caught plenty. More than I could eat by myself. I can't exactly freeze the rest. We gotta take him into Clarefield tomorrow, trade him for some supplies. I can spare a couple. You want them or not? So it's why Clarefield? You know, there's another town a lot closer. I hear a lot of people been going to Clarefield lately for trade. Maybe I'm looking to find some. What's that? End of the story. Welcome everyone, it is Thursday, March 10th, 2016. I'm Bob Metz, and this is Just Right on WBCQ, 5130 MHz. Join us for an hour of discussion. It's not right wing, it's just right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be if you want to get to the end of the story, well, first you have to have a story to get to the end of. And today we not only have a story for you, but its author as well. The story is called Happy Trails, and its author is named Scott Williams Oaks. Welcome to our, our studio, Scott. Thanks, Bob, for having me. Appreciate it. No problem. And Scott is a writer, comedian. i got to talk to you about that. Sure. And musician from London, Ontario, where I also live. He has previously written a six-part fantasy horror novel series called Dextrous. That was news to me. And a children's book called The Gnome, both independently published. Lives with his wife and daughter while staying active with new creative projects. And we'll be talking all about that as the show commences. But first, our reminder. Remember, you can always write us at Just Write. Um, <laughs> at feedback at justwritemedia.org. You can follow us on Twitter. You can like us on Facebook. Subscribe to Just Write on iTunes. Hear us on WBCQ 5130 MHz. And visit us at www.justwritemedia.org. Now, Scott, this isn't the first time you've been on the show. No, it's not. Um, you were last on, gee, just at the end of 2014, you were, uh, uh, quote, pushing the comedy envelope at that time. Yes, I uh, hosted a uh, amateur, like, local comedian showcase um, in October of 2014 called October Jest. It, October Jest 2. It was mm -hmm. the second incarnation of it. Um, 
and part of it included a politically incorrect costume contest where I uh, I really wanted uh, guests and comedians alike that were at the event to think of costumes that, you know, pr- provoke a reaction and, and just crush <laughs> political correctness just for, you know, the sake of Halloween and having fun. And we did get some pretty interesting submissions, which... Uh, some were funny and, and some really did push the envelope, which I was very proud <laughs> well, of. Well, I think that says something about you, too, and maybe explains a bit about some of the other things you're, you're doing. I thought we might do things in reverse today, sure. if you don't mind. I do not. Um, you know, normally we might d- begin a discussion talking about you as the author of a book, but I thought we might start off today with the story itself, the sure. book that you've written, uh, and, and you just gave me a hard copy of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we'll run up against the brick wall later on in the show today. How's that sound? As it were, sure. Yeah. Okay. Now, well, first of all, I didn't know there was actually a hard copy of the book available, Happy Trails. There, There is um, only a couple of copies left. Oh. Um, I did a local printing. Oh, I feel um, honored then. Uh, I'm honored to give it to you. I appreciate. Um, and autographed. How's yeah. that? Most of most people though can get find them online mm-hmm. on Amazon.com. Well, congratulations though. I read the book electronically, and it was the first time I've ever read a book electronically on my cell phone here. Nice. And it was very easy to read because of the way it's laid out. It's very you, you, you flip it. It's easy to keep track of. And um, is there a price that's attached to this? Yes. Um, for the Kindle version, so the electronic version, it's three ninety nine. American um, on Amazon.com and um, eight ninety nine for a print version off of Amazon.com. You just search for Happy Trails Scott and look for the picture of the wind turbine on fire, which is the book's <laughs> cover. Um, Love it. And Amazon will take care of the shipping, um, shipping it to you or sending it to you know your device of choice, uh, a e-reader. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, Happy Trails? Happy Trails. <laughs> Much as I enjoyed reading it, and I found myself, by the way, reading reading faster and faster as the action reached a climax near the end there. And, and I know you, you wrote it to actually be part of a future screenplay, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, your story didn't sound too happy, even though you could say it had a happy ending. Uh, well, where does the Happy Trails come from? Well, Although it, I know where it popped yeah, up in, this, yeah. in the story. Um, it's... It sort of speaks to my personality that a lot of people have told me about myself is very sarcastic. <laughs> um, the The events that take place in the book um, are very bleak, and so it's it's a sarcastic you know frame of mind. You know everything's gone to crap, so it's just like, well, hey, happy trails, everybody. Thanks for screwing it up. You know, you know, thanks for coming out. Interesting because. Or, or giving up, like somebody giving up. Like, well, see ya. Happy trails. Like, you're, you're left to fix the mess that you've made. I'm checking out. Well, wow, that's, that's amazing that you told me that because that is so similar to a book I know you've just started reading and we're going to talk about it later on in the show, and that's Atlas Shrugged, mm-hmm. where everybody goes, well, who's John Galt? It's almost the same, the same mental reaction. And it's interesting that you should feel the need to write a book like this. If the point was the, was the point of the book to make a point, or to write a story, or like why take a story approach instead of doing an essay or a cr- critique if it if it's something critical you want to say, or was it was the story the main thing? Most of what I do, um, I I want to entertain, 
and in entertaining i also sort of wanted to get a point across um a lot of what happens in happy trails um sort of mirrors or echoes or or comments on what's happening here here where we live in ontario we all say yeah and i i find that if someone's trying to deliver a message or or provoke thought it's you know, like medicine, it's easier to swallow if it's done in a way that people can relate to or emotionally connect to. So mm-hmm. I thought a work of fiction, which I always like doing, um, as with my previous works, um, I felt was a better way to do it, um, to, to make it more palatable for people um, that read it, you know, instead of just with an essay or like a blog post, sure. have it be more clinical and with you know stats and stuff have it be entertaining but also you know provoke thought mm-hmm. now i noticed that uh, in the front of your book you wrote this novel is purely fiction though i would not be surprised if some of this ends up happening in the future now we hadn't discussed before we went to air are you worried about any spoilers on this or how much of this the story do you want to talk about i i i, uh, I have a outline of, of your story no, in front I'm, of me. No, by all means. Now, you've, you've uh, let me see, one, two, three, four basic sections of the book? Yeah, four parts. And uh, The yeah. fourth part is kind of shorter than mm-hmm. the other three. It's sort of like a, an epilogue. And uh, you've named them Mouthit and Pull, Mouth which and pull. was sort of a suicidal tendency yeah. referred and e- to And there. each title of each section appears within that section. Yes, it does. And then Pucker Up, and then Collateral Damage, and A Dick Move. A Dick Move. And um, how would you describe your book if you were just going to, remember, in in a short way, if somebody who hadn't heard about your book and might be interested in reading it, how would you quickly describe what it's about and why they might be interested in it? I describe it as a pre-dystopian book. It's It's not quite there yet. It's... It's sort of like the the ignition of the fuse, how things when they when things fall apart, how it begins to fall apart. And I would I would say to people that it's it's four main characters that exist in this beginning of a dystopia where some facets of life that they once knew are still being held on to. But it's increasingly falling apart and they get, they get caught up in between a group of people that have had enough and and start taking matters into their own hands. And the government that that first group is fighting against. And so these four main characters sort of get caught up in it. And it's, it's just sort of provoking thought of how bad do things have to get before someone takes things into their own hands. And we haven't really seen that in North America that much. You know, there's things here and there, you know, acts of terrorism, you know, are increasing, mm-hmm. but it's almost exclusively um, from an external ideology. But I wanted to explore just regular people from North America, like that are, have lived here most of their lives. Now, of course, on the cover of your book, you've got a picture of a wind turbine that's on fire there. And that was one of the acts of, quote, unquote, uh, I wouldn't say terrorism, but destruction that was going on in the in the backdrop of your story. Yes. And uh, it's interesting, though. I think some of that's happening today. You, you, you talk about this being pre-dystopian. Either the story's pre-dystopian or the era we live in already mm-hmm. is pre-dystopian. 
I, I, I have a quote here from your book regarding the economic collapse and the decline of living standards. Quote, it was simply the price of everything, housing, hydro, insurance, food, heating. People took second or third jobs, even jobs that some formerly thought were beneath them or jobs they haven't had since they were teenagers, etc. Sounds very much like a slice of life from a lot of people I know today, mm-hmm. both in terms of how they feel about the cost of things and about how more how difficult it's getting to meet the cost with one job or two jobs or a career. Is there something in in your personal observations that brought you to this? Yeah, just the like it is a love letter to Ontario, basically. Oh. Like a lot of things that happen fictionally in Happy Trails is mirroring what's happening in Ontario. What I see could happen to Ontario um, where people, you know, and the ends are not meeting and they have to do what's necessary to make those ends meet things that they never thought they would have to do or have to do again. You know, some people that thought they should be retiring right now are not. And they're running out of money and you know the standard i remember george carlin had a great line about he's like the lies that the government tells you it's like your standard of living will never decrease and so i just sort of that was the setting that i wanted to do where i i I hear on news radio talk radio you know people calling in and and seeing how much people have to pay for hydro for the food prices are increasing um things are falling apart and and the waste of government and and sort of all the red tape that prevents prosperity from happening that was the setting for this Mm. book that i i see happening in real life but you know tied together fictionally in sort of an entertaining narrative so in a way it's almost a projection of what you're hearing from ontario and from ontarians and what people because the the acts of terrorism in the book like the the solar farms and, and and wind turbines being attacked people being you know jumped and blockades being set up um were inspired by an actual news story that i heard in in the sarnia blue water ontario yes. you know area a couple of years ago when they were installing a wind turbine farm i i heard a news story of someone vandalizing a bulldozer mm-hmm. um taking matters into their own hands because they were so opposed to the installation of, of the wind turbines that they vandalize this bulldozer a piece of private property of of the company that was doing the development right and and that was really when the spark happened in my head to write a story like this is like how bad do things have to get where the government and the their friends are not listening to the people that they're imposing this stuff on to the point where if someone just says screw it i'm gonna pick up a gun or i'm gonna blow something up because you're not listening and, well, that's a, that's a question we should entertain when we come back on the other side of the bumper. The conditions, you know, you've described in your book are hauntingly similar to those of many in my favorite post-apocalyptic TV shows, with, uh, you know, with the exception, perhaps, that yours is strikes closer to home, let's put it that mm-hmm. way. Now, our post-apocalyptic story from the TV series Jeremiah that opened our show today continues now. Let's all hope that this is not a vision of our future. Or is that even too impossible to even entertain? We'll be back. You got a name? Curdy. Curdy. Your name is Curdy. Yeah, it is. What of it? Oh, I know. 
What the hell kind of name is Curdy? Well, go ahead. I've heard all the jokes. Curdy must be wordy. Look a little Curdy birdie up in the tree. Dirty Curdy, nerdy Curdy, purdy Curdy. Oh, yeah, turdy Curdy. See, I've heard them all before, so go ahead. You just take your best shot. I was just going to say I knew a guy in Seattle named Curdy. He uh, had a snake tattooed all up his left side. Oh. Good guy. Stand-up guy. I just hadn't heard the name. Okay. Since. Fine. I'm sorry I blew up. Yeah, it's okay. It's just that after a while, you get it's so tired. Okay. Forget about it. What about you? What's your name? Jeremiah. Jeremiah. Can't do much with that. Nope. You live around here? Just passing through. <laughs> Who is it? <laughs> Man, I've been on the road for so long, it's all I remember. I mean, that's why I... You, you know the, the laws of the road. You see food, you take it, because you never know when you're going to see it again. Hey, you want to see something? I found this in the back of the store two years ago. Rock candy. <laughs> Stays fresh forever. I've been holding on to this for a special occasion. Haven't had one yet. Haven't even seen one. So, uh, how old were you when... I don't want to uh, talk about that, okay? Yeah. Just, you know, helps to think about the way things were before, you know. Sometimes gives you something to shoot for. There wasn't no other time. Not for me. And not for mostly everybody else. I don't remember what went on before, and I don't give a damn. As far as I'm concerned, the only world that matters is this one because this is the one I've got to live in. Now, what came before, what comes after, other people's stuff, that's not my problem, you know? Sometimes. Other times... You know, my dad always said that uh, other people's problems or everybody's problems. Otherwise, it all falls apart. Well, I don't mean to alarm you or anything, but it already has fallen apart. Well, for them, the world certainly has fallen apart. Certainly doesn't sound like a fun place to be. <laughs> sound like the Ontario of your future, Scott? Maybe, if we don't write it. Well, how bad do things have to get before people take things into their hands? And, and what story would that be telling us in the future? Like, I, I like think you it must varies. have your own ideas of this. I think it varies between person to person. It, um, it, if you had people in their pocketbooks, you know, that might be a motivation. You know, f friends, family. Um, I, I see, from what I hear in, on local media and, like, read, um I, I can only surmise that people are going to start getting very angry and resentful to people's that people's people that um, work for the government mm -hmm. or, or a public sector job um, because yes they pay taxes too but their pay comes from our 
Oh, yes, in, and, they're, and, and they're you know all in the hundred thousand club and things like that. And um, that's a backdrop of one of your stories, where or of your story, where of course that former class, shall we call it, of people are feel threatened all the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In, in in Happy Trails, they're sort of targeted by yeah. this this group that I speak of. You know, they no, you know, that might be something someone living in the West might expect to happen. Once everybody gets, you know, upset enough with conditions. Just to throw a ringer into your argument or, or, or thing here, I, when I look around the world and I see countries like the Soviet Union and some of the Mideastern countries, things can get pretty bad. And even if people do uprise and do things, there's not much done because there's no solution. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you see that working out? Like what, what would people revolting and getting violent possibly accomplish? Other than sending a message, it wouldn't improve things. It would make things worse for them, wouldn't it? I don't see it accomplishing anything. Oh, okay. It, it's, it's strictly it's not just... you're advocating, It's then. strictly <laughs> a canary in a coal mine. It's, mm. This is what I see happening, potentially, with with no solution in... in like. And the, the this group of people in the book that are, you know, causing these act of, acts of terrorism, you know, they're not acting... Um, Oh, should I say they're not acting right? You know, they're they're taking like they're committing violent acts, um, but they've been backed into a corner. They feel, mm-hmm. and so it, it never it never was to propose a solution. It was you better stop no, because other, someone's gonna. You know, you can only poke the bear for so long before it okay it so, bites so. you. That I, I, we might also be misleading people who haven't read the book to think that that's what your book is about. This group of people are going around terrorizing thing. That's not the story. No, that's just the backdrop. Why don't you give us a, 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 as far as you want to go without doing the spoiler, especially at the end there, um, just to let people know what the basic story outline is. Sure. So uh, the basic story takes place um, um, in a a small town in a place that is like Ontario, although I'd never specifically. Like specify that it's Ontario. You didn't? No, I don't. I don't think I I actually used the word Ontario. I can't believe that. I read the whole damn book, and I could have swore you were talking about Ontario all the way through it. It's it's implied under underneath, but I don't. I don't say it's Ontario. I say even how you you divided the province into three areas and stuff, and I'm thinking which is which is what some people want to have happen. Yeah, and it's already happening in that unofficial way, like you said. Mm -hmm. Which I I'm would consider myself a proponent for that happening uh, in a less violent means, more more of a democratic legislative means. But back to the story. So it t- um the one of the main characters Reg, he's an elderly person. He's run out of money. He's evicted from his retirement home. Um he's widowed. Um his wife died of uh, a form of cancer um as a result of shitty healthcare system. Um he has a daughter, Lori, who um, was laid off as a healthcare worker. Now she just works a clerical job, um, and they live in a, a small town that is sorting, sort of starting to crumble. And he he has a brother who lives lives in the northern segment of where they live, who he loses contact with. He he hasn't heard from him in in a while, and so Reg with 
facing financial insolvency, being evicted. He doesn't really have anything really to live for or or do. So he decides to travel to the northern part of, of where they live to try and A, Which figure Which I assumed was northern Ontario. Northern Ontario. <laughs> like the Perry Sound sort of area. Right. Um, to try to A, try and find out what um, has happened to his brother and, and B, also to get away... Um, which was sort of a, a theme early on in writing this book is um, if you didn't have a retirement or a nest egg, you know, kind of like Jeremiah, the, sh- the, the show in, mm-hmm. in the clips today, um, just leaving society and just going, at, going out to the woods um, and surviving on your own. And if you injure yourself, in and which die, case, if you starve, yeah. if you get picked off by an animal, then it's sort of like a noble death. You know, you went out on your terms. And that's sort of what Reg is thinking is he wants to go out on his terms because he really has nothing else left. Funny you told the story from his point of view because it's written more from his daughter's point of view. Well, I, I, and, I, I wrote and, it from the point of view of a narrator mm-hmm. that speaks about every character. Right. Yeah. It originally was from Lori's point of view with her dealing, you know, with her father, some of the other characters. Mm-hmm. But I felt I it was much more of a better way for me to tell the story if I did it from a narrator point of view. I have to view. tell you, you're a good writer. Thank you. Um, no, serious. I'm not saying that just to go, you know. Yeah. Um, I got caught up in the story and I was almost a bit embarrassed by it. You know, you know why? Where is that? I'm thinking to myself, geez, this guy, I know this guy, <laughs> you know, and it's, he's not a bad writer. He, this, this is going to get good. The story caught me up, you know, <laughs> and, and I'm not a big fiction reader, I have to tell you. And when I got halfway, you know, into the part where, where it picks up and the kidnapping goes on mm-hmm. and all that stuff, it got rather intense. And I, I, I'm, and I start reading faster and faster <laughs> and to the point where, Anybody who knows, I'm always boiling a kettle of tea. I'm leaving the thing boiling for so long till I get to the next chapter yeah. so I can stop and take a break. But that's how good it was. Thank you. And uh, the ending was... But the, the theme was familiar. It's one of my favorite themes, by the way. I love, you know, pre-dystopian and, and then post-apocalyptic kind of stories because they isolate things about human beings that come to the fourth. You know, I think the, 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 a lot of people like that type of story. Mm-hmm. The, uh the quote-unquote yeah. reset, the, the reset, reset button, on society, point, yeah. it, it, the things that they don't like about what's going on in society, they f- often fantasize about the reset, mm-hmm. you know, living off the land as we used to instead of being indebted to, you know, a government or, you know, f- the financial system. I, I think it's a very appealing story that it's been around forever. There's also an irony in it, you know, that... Uh, the father, Reg, is, has to get away and almost go back to the land, which wasn't the idea of the social system and society in the first place, right? Mm-hmm. He was supposed to look after people like him and, and issues yeah. like that. Um, now, the story itself is quite intense. You want to say a little bit about, like, like the actual action plot yeah. part of it? Yeah, so in traveling to the north, mm-hmm. um, Lori and Reg... Um, Lori's ex-boyfriend, Ross, and his friend, Eddie, who Eddie and Ross are the owners of one of the only businesses left in their small town because of the nature of what they sell, uh, you know, 
camping gear, survival gear, Mm -hmm. um, you know, stuff that people will need to rough it because that's sort of the last resort that they're having to You'd almost think a business like that would be one of the last ones doing well in in that situation. And one of the only other businesses that is also surviving is a bar, which kind of makes sense because if people are feeling pretty crappy, you know, they tend to go to alcohol or something to drown their sores away. So en route to the north, they are... Uh, they encounter this group of separatists, you know, violent separatist people, um, and sort of are taken hostage um, to be used as leverage um, when the the police and, and the government come knocking on. If these... I recall, they didn't like to be called separatists. Yeah, <laughs> that was a good line. They didn't like to like be called separatists. They like. Um, I, I believe, uh, and I'm paraphrasing myself. Yeah. Um, um, <laughs> one of the, the the leader of this band. Oh, I got it here. I bet no, you this is it. No one. He says, uh, if you, off the top of my head, he says, like you, you. Can I tell you what it is? Yeah. I got it here. It says. <laughs> They're not separatists, just taking back what's ours, what's not ours? separating from not it. Not separating right? from <laughs> it. That was pretty That's cool. That's what, yeah. So um, they're used as leverage, uh, or the intention of knowing the, the leader of this this separatists, mm-hmm. his intention is to use them as leverage if should they encounter the police um, that are on their way to uh, reprimand them f- for something that they committed earlier in the story. And all the while through this, you'd think that Reg's priorities would change, mm-hmm. considering the circumstances. But he he's very set on, on accomplish his on his goal, yeah. unbeknownst to his daughter, um, and against her wishes. Um, he he set out to do something, and and unbeknownst to the reader until the end, which we won't. That part it, we yeah, won't we talk won't. about. Yeah. But. Um, would you consider the end of a book yourself? Would you consider it a happy ending? I would. Me too. I consider I just, it a happy ending just because um, I'm a fan of movies and books that end in a non-traditional sense. It's not all wrapped up in a bow, but could be considered a happy ending to a specific person or from a, pers- mm-hmm. a specific point of view. Um, so people can take that. Or leave it, you know, the way that it's presented. No, you know, I don't didn't want to make it sound like a depressing thing right to the end until everything just collapses and everybody dies. But it's not like that. It's and it, it, and it I, I intentionally its... left it unresolved. There are some things that are resolved in in the story, but for the most part, it is is a very unresolved sort of like you <laughs> choose how the story unfolds further in your head or take the lessons from this book uh what you will uh, and sort of apply it to what's going on in real life you know sort of as a like i said earlier a canary in a coal mine like it's an entertaining book but could this happen to us in real life and what what we need to do to sort of prevent that from happening right now it's uh, it's called Happy Trails. You can get it online. Just tell us where you can get it again before we start talking about you next. Sure. So you can go to Amazon.com mm-hmm. and it's available for three ninety nine on Kindle, the digital copy, mm-hmm. and eight ninety nine in print. Those are US dollars. And you just search in the, the search box on Amazon.com, Happy Trails Scott, and the cover of the book is a wind turbine on fire. Excellent. Now you've also uh, you've 
not to switch subjects, not to talk more about you when we come back from the bumper. And just, I, I know a lot of people listening to the show might not know this, but a lot of people in Southern Ontario do, mm-hmm. who, who listen to various, a couple of the radio stations around here. And you have a moniker that you've developed and you are called the Brick Wall. Mm-hmm. And I thought, what an interesting moniker to use. And I was wondering what you're planning to do with it. We'll talk about that when we come back. Okay. Hey. Listen, I saw what you did out there. It's very cool. It's not many people stand up to see you like that. Huh? Not many people still living anyway. Why'd you do it? I guess the same reason anybody does anything. It seemed like the right thing to do at the time. Well, that puts you in a minority. See, most people, they tend to do the most convenient thing. The right thing? No, that's a little harder to do. My name's Simon. Jeremiah. Jeremiah, my friends and I were thinking that we could use a man like you. My gate doesn't swing that way. No, 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 no. This is a job. Might be the most important job anyone can think of. We could use guys like you. People who aren't afraid to stand up. Who haven't given up on the dream of making something that's... Something that's better than this. No. I've been hustled too many times. Everybody's got some great idea about how they want to rebuild the world. Let them buy into it. Just go my own way. I heard this place was making a big comeback, <laughs> but now I'm here. I don't think so. <clears throat> Why is it nothing is ever as good as it's supposed to be? Oh, you mean <laughs> her? No, 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 not her. Okay, well, yeah, her too, I guess. It's like you sit down to eat, right? And whatever's on the next guy's plate is always better than what you got. I mean, it's like if I got chicken and he's got chicken, he's got a bigger piece, you know, or, or it's crunchier. And I like my food crispy, crunchy, you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, crunchy's good, crunchy. But it's never right, man. It's never the way it's supposed to be. Never the way you think it's going to be. You get a, a new shirt, it's either too small or it itches. You get to a new town and they got running water, they also got running rats, and everything breaks before it's supposed to. It sucks. Yeah. Look, I was thinking, you know, you, you're kind of odd. Not in the bad way. You, know, you, you, you got a lot happening up here. You know, and most of these guys around here, man, they act like they know what's up, but they don't. I mean, you, though, it's like you're the man with the plan. You definitely got something going on, and I like that. Now, I don't have it all figured out, but I was thinking that maybe me and you can work together. You know, I, I watch your back, and you let me know what it is you're after. You in? I'll think about it. 
I'm Bob Metz, and you're listening to Just Right on WBCQ 5130 MHz, where I'm in conversation with Scott Williams Oaks about his book Happy Trails and a few other endeavors. Now, we talk a lot about individualism on this show and the power of individuals to influence others. Uh, should they actually undertake to do so? What I think, uh, again, as a lot of people might not be aware, is that our guest, Scott, is also known as the Brick Wall, something he uses in uh, his open-line talk shows around London and a lot of those texts you do. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, I turn on the radio in the morning, it almost doesn't matter which station I'm on, and, and the DJs themselves are talking about you, mm-hmm. and talking about the Brick Wall, and what did the Brick Wall, you know... Put on a tech. You must be getting a kick out of this. Oh, very much so. And uh, how did how did all that start? If I if you don't mind my asking, or is that is that a secret of some sort? <laughs> um, like the brick there's, wall. There's kind of some behind the scenes stuff that I'll, I'll leave out just for sure. this, the sake of the parties involved. But um, the just, just the, the concept. The, yeah, the concept of the brick wall came out of um, uh, an opportunity that. Um, not to go into too great of detail, um, I uh, an opportunity that I had to um, shelf, uh-huh. and, and and I carried on with it in the capacity that I could now uh, at, from then until now up up until this point. Um, so it, it really, uh, as a consolation, um, morphed into sort of being a contributor locally and, and sort of in the and regionally. Um, sort of not making fun of, but just inspiring everybody to just lighten up a little bit about the stuff that's being reported on the talk shows in London and you know surrounding area like Saint. You Catherine's do you do Niagara bring a voice to to reason in, in a satirical uh, manner. Yeah, but you know when I when I hear the moniker the brick wall, it it. it um, it suggests some form of resistance or defiance in a way, you know, like like saying, I've had enough, I'm not going to take it anymore. Uh, you know, that famous refrain from the movie Network. Network. Uh, now, you're not throwing bricks. I'm a human being, God yeah. damn it. I matter. Yeah. I, but, I value. But you're not, you're not throwing bricks. You just set this brick wall up. As, well, it's, as it's though, sort of like a double entendre. It's, a limit. It's, it's, it's a, a nod or an homage to stand-up comedy, which is performed in front of a brick wall. Um. Uh, and also sort of an, ah, an, an okay, immovable object where I say some things that people might not like, people might have objection to, but I don't care. So the brick wall can almost be like uh, part of your projection behind you, the thing from which you project. You've got that wall or, behind you. Or bounce off of Yeah, that's, that's how yeah. I'm thinking of it. Okay. So, um, no, I, I just like to... Whatever, like any given topic that they're talking about, if I have something on my mind about it or a joke that I want to tell about it, um, and it's completely at the discretion of the DJ. Sure. That's why I like I always say to myself, it's like I don't hold myself responsible for some of the things I say because I the buck doesn't stop with me. <laughs> so you take a few risks. <laughs> I take I take as many risks as I can and let them decide what they want to read on the air. Sometimes I catch them off guard, and they do. Sometimes well, sometimes you could be taking a risk with them if you push it too far. I know, and and I, 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 I've spoken to some of them privately and, and in my personal life, and and it the camaraderie is there, so I know. know and, yeah. and sometimes yeah. I'll pull myself back. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to joke about that because it's not the right timer. Um, so... It it formed into a blog 
thebrickwallwrites.wordpress.com where I wanted to take, and it's almost been a year since I started, um, and I wanted to take all the entries um, from a, a particular open line segment every Friday on um, on 610 CKTB in St. Catharines on the Tom McConnell show. Every entry um, week by week that I've done, I archived on the brickwallrights.wordpress.com um, so that people can go back to. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the time... Top- do you ever uh, capture the audios of Tom reading your stuff? or uh- um, Only on a couple very specific... Mm-hmm. Like the I, I did one a couple weeks ago about my grandfather passing away. So mm-hmm. I... I kept that um, just to have it, and um, yeah, I heard that one. That's why I mentioned it when yeah. we came into the studio. And um, but for the most part, no. Um, but I really wanted people to that let, like what I'm saying or are entertained by what I say to be able to go back and read some of them. And and a lot of what's on the brickwallrights.wordpress.com is sort of focused to what's going on in Ontario. Um, but there's some like broader issues like, you know, hey, what's going on in Ontario is no different than what's going on in California, New York or anywhere else when it comes down to the, the fundamentals. Right. But I, I talk about Uber. Yeah, I well, talk about where in the world aren't they talking about yeah, Uber? I, <laughs> uh, I talk about, you know, Jean Gomeshi's, um, you know, legal case, mm-hmm. you know, stuff that interests me and that I want to comment on. Are you a man with a mission? Is is the brick wall part of that mission, or is the Scott Williams Oaks a separate person from person from the brick wall with a separate mission? You know, I'm kind of asking the, the uh, brick wall because I know you're doing more than one thing. Yeah, the brick wall is, I would say, just sort of a, a character um, that I like to, you know, call up when I want to comment on something and, and frame it in a in a humorous, satirical manner. Um, I, again, to sort of poke holes in people's, you know, um, inhibitions, you know, t- not taking themselves or what they hear about on the news too seriously, sort of satirically poke holes into it to make them think about it differently or not get riled up about it mm-hmm. too much. Um, but it, it's not what it's not how I am for m- the majority of my personal life. Um it's just sort of a, a, a mask or a face that I like to put on just to have some fun with the news because, you know, life's too short for people to to get all riled up. And some people take themselves way too seriously and some radio hosts take themselves way yeah. too seriously I always tell, as you know, well. I, take, I, take, I, I always make sure people realize that what I talk about I take seriously, but I don't quote-unquote take myself too seriously in the sense that I don't take on these issues as much as I can in a personal way. I don't carry the weight of the world on yeah. my shoulder over them. You well, know? you'll get lost in it, you know. Yeah, otherwise you can't even focus or see your way out anymore. It's like that's it's if you stare too long into the abyss, you know, the it'll stare back at you. <laughs> and, and so I always come at it from a frame of mind of not taking myself too seriously or or not getting putting myself up on a pedestal like I uh, my opinions better than yours or like I uh, it's more valid than yours is and you know sort of self-deprecation a little bit as well well to the point where you're open to a, a, a response or a new idea I, I know I know what you're dealing with there and people don't like to be preached at in a certain way mm-hmm. but that's a lot of of really what you're doing in a way so not in terms of your activities, but do you see yourself as being a voice for 
something greater, just in, in the bigger picture of everything you're doing? Um, not from a point of, like, leadership, but mm -hmm. sort of as, you know, the jester. The jester, the... Uh, the the, uh, common, the gadfly the yeah. uh, that's interesting putting, you should putting, say that putting the idea of the quote unquote gun <laughs> right into the hands of people what they decide to do with it is their choice i i only i'll only point out that the emperor is wearing no clothes it's up to the people listening to do with that with that information what they will you know and if they decide to do nothing with it i just my personality is just let them hang themselves, you know, like sort of like with yeah, happy trails. It's like, hap all right, see, I told you like, a lot of stuff that's going on with Ontario and like Kathleen Wynne and mm -hmm. Dan Matthews. It's just like with, um, you know, being involved with the freedom party is like, we told you this was going to happen. You didn't do anything about it. Well, now, of course, that's because a lot of people were talking to her, the people creating the problem. Yeah. <laughs> so now, uh, at least me personally, yeah. I'm just going to sit back and kick my feet up and, and watch Rome burn because we well, we warned you about it and you chose to do nothing about it. And so you have no right to complain. Bec it, it, and it's sort of like there's ads in Ontario right now about I'm not an activist. Mm -hmm. and And it's. It, it's pretty much sounds like it's funded by unions well, of course. in the healthcare system. First thing system. I hear like, is that is an activist, right? About them cutting jobs mm -hmm. in the healthcare system. And it's like, I'm not an activist, but I, I've never gotten involved with things like this before, but we need to do something about the healthcare system. So it's, it, now it's time to act. And it's like, you were fine voting for them during the election and, and running smear campaigns with your own union, you know, funded mm -hmm. dollars against the, uh, the opposition, in this case, the PC party of Ontario. Well, they're being hoisted by their own petard, so yeah. to speak. So it's yeah. like you're, you're now biting the hand that fed you, that you put into power. So I having trouble finding sympathy for you because you are part of, you're one of the cogs of this problem. So I, Okay. I, I bring that to people's attention and let them do with it what they will. And if they choose not to do anything about it, I just continue doing what I do and, and leave them leave Rome to burn. <laughs> well, interesting theme. Let's get let's leave it there. We'll come back to this conversation right after this. The uh, new millennium sucks. What a, what a disappointment. What's the difference between the old millennium and the new millennium? Nothing! It's the same load of crap with the two in the front. When I was a kid, I am old enough so that when I was a kid, I looked forward to the new millennium. When I was young, I said, I'm going to live through a change, a massive change. Things are going to be different. Things are going to be great. Screwed again. No flying cars, no flying cars.
There's something else, Dagny. There was a call just now from the Rio Norte branch in Colorado. Richard McNamara never showed up for work. We'll go find him. And we looked. And we found a note. What did it say? It said, who is John Galt? What does that mean? It was explained to me once. Don't ask questions nobody could answer. I'm Ellis Wyatt. How can I help you? I'll make this quick. I came here today because, well, I met your brother and I was hoping that someone in this business still had a brain. If you and your brother try to undermine me or go to the government like you did to destroy my best friend, Dan Conway. Maybe you should let me explain what happened. Maybe you should let me finish speaking. Okay. Dagny? Now that you have effectively closed down the Phoenix-Durango railroad line because of this new anti-dog-eat-dog bullshit, I have no choice but to get back into business with you Taggarts again. I had nothing to do with the creation of that bill. I will not lower my business standards to your lousy level of incompetence. Shall I explain what I intend to do in Colorado? No. Now that I'm forced to use your railroad, all I want from you is dependable transportation. You will get the transportation you need, Mr. Wyatt. I promise you that. We'll see. Scott, I understand that you're just reading Atlas Shrugged for the first time. That was a scene we just heard from the movie of the same name. And you're not finished the book yet. No, I'm just in the first couple of chapters right now. And uh, you were just talking in the break there how you're looking forward to find out how certain characters resolve. But I have to tell you, when I read your book, it was um, Happy Trails. The thing it reminded me of was sort of a cross between Atlas Shrugged and, of course, um, the TV show we're talking about, Jeremiah, that... that, that frame the beginning of the show and the, the, the two have so many themes that are similar and like your own book I shouldn't tell you this but mm -hmm. there is a certain non-resolution at the end of Atlas Shrugged it has an ending but you know it leaves certain things unresolved and I was wondering given what you just said you, you seem to be taking a very pessimistic view of the future do you see it as very negative and like you seem like you say let Rome burn um, I almost felt that way at the end of Atlas Shrugged, that that was where Ayn Rand left it. And uh, you, is that the, the, the role to play as far as being, uh, um, you know, the gadfly out there or the person who's... I almost think it's necessary, like, to, to use an example in nature. Mm -hmm. uh, a forest fire will obliterate a forest, but from that fire new life it grows out of that good analogy or yeah. like um in folklore or mythology the phoenix you know mm -hmm. the phoenix bursts into flames and rises again from the ashes it's it's uh, uh uh someone i was talking to a couple of days ago said you know an average empire lasts about 500 years and if that if if at all and it eats itself from the inside out until something new is created. Now, I'm not promoting violence. No, uh, no. Um, it, it's, it's, it's not always a violent thing. It's the but same. I do see, and it's a very pessimistic view. It's something, the camel's back is going to break and it's not going to be pretty. Nothing, nothing about the future that I feel is going to get any better until it does. 
and I remember saying to one of the local radio hosts in a brick wall text, mm-hmm. it's like, the, the only way to fix things, or it, I'm paraphrasing it's just because of my memory, it's like, things are not going to change until they do. Well, somebody has to change them. Somebody they don't has change to change by themselves. Them. That's the thing. And I feel a lot of people have that sort of frame of mind that I do, a very pessimistic mm-hmm. outlook based on the calls and, and emails and stuff I hear on, on our local stations and, you know, don't, social don't, media don't, in general. Don't forget a lot of radio talk show. It comes from that, you know, quote unquote right right wing point of view more than does the general voter who's probably a lot of voters are supporting things that you're opposed to or the things that you see as as the coming end however in a way i guess i have to embrace your idea that you have to wait for something to clean out first i mean that's even a political um philosophy you can't uh, even for freedom party we know we can't fill in the gap until there's a vacuum created Mm -hmm. right and that vacuum has to occur and right now, the problem is that vacuum for us, or the lack of vacuum, is being created by the PCs, the Conservative Party, who are not providing any kind of opposition to the left. They're becoming part of the left. And I see them as imploding because of that until another party can change them, some, some, somebody that can take that place. And it takes that same process, filling in the vacuum. So... Once that happens, you see, okay, would you even recognize when things hit bottom? Because I don't know, you know, you can look at other countries and things never, quote unquote, hit bottom. They just keep sliding along the bottom forever and ever. And there is no takeoff point anymore unless somebody figures out how to take off. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. It, it's almost as if, you know, at least speaking as far as North America is concerned, you haven't really seen much of a revolt revolution sort of thing for a couple hundred years since like the late 17, early 1800s. And a lot of what happens in Happy Trails, my book, and what happens in other parts of the the world in real life um, makes people uncomfortable. They like the system that's been created in, in their favor, you know, the government, you know, in Canada, at least, healthcare, mm-hmm. you know, social programs, you know, they don't want to rock the boat and they don't really believe or are not comfortable with believing that something on that scale that happens in Happy Trails or we see elsewhere in the world can happen here. When I feel that it's so close to happening every day and the more conditions, deg- um, the degradation of, uh, conditions you know increases mm-hmm. you're going to start seeing you know someone's going to you know pick up a wrench and bring everything to a halt it, and um preparing for the show one of my favorite quotes is by mario salvo um the operation of the machine mm-hmm. and it was a speech he gave um in the late 60s early 70s he's like um when the operation of the machine becomes so odious so sick at heart, you can't even take part. You can't even passively take part. So you have to put your hands upon the wheels, upon the levers, the gears, and you have to make it stop. And you have to tell the people who run the machine, who own it, that unless you're free, the operation of the machine will be prevented from working at all. And, and that's one of my favorite speeches or quotes. It's like, things aren't going to change until you make them change because the government is not some entity apart from you. It's you make it up. 
And if you choose a shitty system to govern over you, you're going to get what you get. Yep. I hear you. Now, we've only got a couple minutes left. And in those few minutes, I noticed that you are... You're talking about you're active with creating new projects. Any new books on the horizon or what new projects you do? Comedy? Where where, where do you do most of your comedy work? That's got to be tough tough work. Uh, it's terrifying sometimes. I, I have cre- to... Creating jokes and, and testing them out. It, but it's also one of the most liberating feelings is, is something that you worked on and toiled on and, and creating uh, humor and making people laugh. Um I I sort of put it on the back burner a little bit uh, that I was doing from a couple of years ago, um, but locally, you know, uh, comedy clubs uh, and f- comedian friends that run amateur shows, open mics, um, I tend to do. Uh, I am not currently writing any new books, but um, as I was speaking with you, um, you know, off the air, I am currently transcribing Happy Trails into a screenplay because yes. my one of my intentions is, you know, if I ever am financially and as far as time able to make Happy Trails into a film, I would love to because that's sort of the frame of mind I was in when I wrote it. Well, maybe that's one of those things that you can, uh, what do they call it, the fundraising they do on Crowdfunding, yeah. Yeah, crowdfunding. Maybe it's and, the kind and, of thing and that I think some that amazing would, things have been done that way. I, I think that um, it would be a very viable way of funding it, um, but there's also the the ex, the added... Um, obstacle of time to do it. So, but I am currently, you know, typing up a screenplay and script mm-hmm. from Happy uh, of Happy Trails. Fascinating, uh, Scott. I can't believe our hour has already gone by. Um, I guess we're not going to know how the story ends until we all live it through. Mm-hmm. I guess that's the only way we're going to find out how our own Happy Trails ends. Thanks for joining us. We hope to have you again on a future show. And that's me. it for today. Join us again next week when we continue our journey in the right direction. Until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right, and be right back here. We'll see you then. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be alright. One of the things, the worst things about the new millennium is we have to vote. And we've got to do, and if you live in New York, you not only have to vote for the president, but you have to vote for a senator. And those senators who are running are either Hillary Clinton or Rudy Giuliani. (laughs) We should not have to vote. We should not have to vote for the president because voting for one of them is exhausting enough. (laughs) It's unbelievable to me. Hillary Clinton? Hillary Clinton is running... Hello! (laughs) I have seen her for eight years. Enough is enough. (laughs) That means he's going to be wandering around too. I don't have the energy. I don't have the energy. The best people in the world, morally the best people, are rational egoists, whether they realize it or not. You know, like Moliere's character who spoke prose all of his life without realizing it, they're egoistic. But they've been taught a self-sacrifice code. Ego, ergo, no-go. 
That was the theme of our discussion with Dr. Andrew Bernstein, philosopher, novelist, and radical for capitalism, who joined us on show number 404. You can find that broadcast and hundreds of others simply by visiting www.justrightmedia.org, where it's not right-wing, it's just right.